0: I'm Jay Moran.
1: I'm Bridget J. Paul Valenzo. I'm Thomas O'Neill-White.
2: I'm Angelie
0: Preston.
3: We need to get together and let our voices be heard.
0: This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're gonna have some real
4: healing. We've gotta have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss
1: race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children.
0: Good morning and welcome to What's Next. Today, we talk with the former Buffalo Poet Laureate, Jillian Hainsworth. Jillian? Hi. Hi, and thanks for joining us. (laughs) Definitely. Um, I keep the whole idea of you being the former Poet Laureate because you were the first Poet Laureate of Buffalo.
3: Yeah. I haven't heard anyone say that yet, so you're the first person. But um, it's okay, it's okay. I'm glad that the role has taken a life of its own, and I'm glad that I don't have to be in it for it to be sustainable. Because if that's how it was created, it wouldn't last very long, <laughs> right. and it was created to be bigger than just me. You know, I know people will think of me when they think of the role itself, but it's bigger than me, so it's time for, you know, a new voice to step in and and make it their own.
0: That's a, a very gracious a, a, approach for sure. At the same time, though, as we go back, and one of the reasons we wanted to have you in here is is just for that, a chance to maybe reflect on... What obviously has been a, a very eventful time, not only for you in your personal and professional life, but also here in the city of Buffalo. Um, but if we can just maybe just step back to that drive that here because you, this mm-hmm. is really pretty much you that pushed this forward—the the, the yeah. idea of having a poet laureate in Buffalo. What was your motivation?
3: Um, honestly, I was really starting to find my voice in poetry and starting to create my identity here as someone who uses the art to to organize and to inspire and activate the community so as that was happening I started seeing cities around the country appoint a poet laureate and I'm like it would be so cool to see our city take that same approach you know and really use their positions to put some backing behind this art because it's it's storytelling you know it's Our tradition. This is what we do as a a people. Um, So I started to go to council members and ask, Would you be interested in in backing this? And finally, um, the Mastin District Council member, um, Ulysses Wingo, um, he was like, Yeah, let's do it. So for a couple of years, I learned how to write resolutions (laughs) and i worked with um, his staff and we just did all this work to establish this role and finally he brought it to the common council and they voted to establish the role and to make me the first
0: okay so and so that's interesting so they they established the role to make you the first but moving forward it's going to work as as i understand it it's going to work differently it's not just going to be one person who's just appointed, let's say, by a Common Council resolution, right?
3: Well, there always will be a Common Council okay. resolution. Um, And there the understanding was always that I'm just the first, okay. not that I'd be the only. So we wrote it in so that each poet laureate has a, a term limit. Um, I know we're a city that often likes to function without them, but <laughs> I thought <laughs> there was some benefit to them. Um, So it's a two-year term, so every two years— we should expect to see a new poet laureate. I'm not sure right now what that process looks like from the city's point of view. And I'm hoping that over the next couple of years, I can collaborate with the city to kind of make sure that the vision for this being a community role where the people are really um, in touch with who gets selected to represent them on this platform um we can make it more along the line of that kind of process. Right. Maybe a community um, council where we know who the members are and um, anonymous submissions so that poets, regardless of what size platform they already have, have a chance to say, hey, look at my work, I can do this too. I think about my own journey and a lot of writers, they get started in academia or they go into the slam poetry community and I didn't get started that way you know I was at protests and at vigils and at memorial services of people who I never met just trying to spark something in the community so my platform was not big in the way some other writers are I wasn't known in that community they had no idea who I was now the community you know people who live on the east side They started to get an idea, but we all enter this in a different way. So I think coming up with a public process, a transparent process, where people who have a love for this art, regardless of how they got there, can all get an equal shot at being able to stand on this platform is necessary. So I'm hoping that I can collaborate with the city or at least just express some of my own ideas for how this can happen in the future. so we can make sure that everybody has an understanding of how this is going.
0: Right. So uh, we can understand how there might be maybe we'll use the kindly use the word confusion about how we were going to move forward with this because it it was a unique development a couple of years ago to have you as yeah. as uh, as the poet laureate. Let's maybe just talk in an ideal world. I know there was a a, a resolution passed in December. If I read it and understood it vaguely that this next position, next laureate might be appointed by the mayor. But -hmm. we'll leave that aside for now. But if you were going to just say how it should develop and how perhaps people should come to the table for this, how would you like to see it done?
3: Well, I think... First, we have to start and look at what we want this role to be. Right. Like, do we want this to continue to be someone who is active in serving the community? Um, If that's the case, then the community has to take the reins on deciding who it is. Ideally, I would take someone from the art community and someone from the literary community and a few people from, you know, maybe organizations or just community groups. They don't even have to be 501c3s, you know? Active community groups, um, maybe a youth, a member of our city's youth, they sit on a council, and members of the community who want to be poet laureate who say, "I have what it takes to lead in this way," they'll submit, they'll submit some writing, maybe an essay, um, or just something to really show their passion for this community, anonymously, and. The commission, they would read these submissions and debate them and talk about them and keeping keeping in mind who we want this person to be, what we want them to represent for our community. And then they would make the recommendation to the mayor if he wants to be the one to appoint. I will never you know, debate that, but they would make the recommendation to the mayor for him to appoint someone based off of that search.
0: What about the, the let's turn it then to the person who thinks they want to be Poet Laureate. We'll put it that way, thinks, because you never know it until you do it. And you <laughs> yeah. most certainly know about the experience and how your role has changed for sure here. But what about that person do you think who wants to be that Poet Laureate for mm-hmm. Buffalo? What what should be, or, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't think we have to talk, I don't think you necessarily want to narrow down subject matter, yeah, no. but, but in terms of approach and maybe just a, a general uh, philosophy perhaps about poetry and about this community as well.
3: Yeah, I think they just have to have a heart for the people and they have to have the selflessness to understand that a lot of times you are going to be representing people who don't look like you or helping people through something that nobody has ever experienced in your in proximity to you. Um, a lot of times you have to put your own feelings to the side in order to lead. Um, I know some people are like, it's, you're just... It's just poetry like Mm. you just write poems and you get a platform and you get to work with the bills (laughs) and you get to go on the radio. But no, you have to really stand for something and you have to be about that. There are so many times that I do interviews like this and people email me or they message me on my website and they're just like, I'm so inspired by what you said. I'm so inspired by what you do. And for every five people who send me that email, I get another one that's like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Mm. You have to understand that it's not about you. So none of that matters. Um, The awards, they're beautiful, but they don't matter in the grand scope of things. Because whatever it is that you are trying to inspire the community to do, everyone won't be an activist, right? (laughs) Um, But whatever it is that you are, whatever the platform is that you're standing on, the thing that you believe in is, you have to be willing to stand on that regardless. Even when you get tired or it gets hard, or you're balancing being the poet laureate with having your regular job or being in school or whatever it is that you do, um, you have to keep you have to keep going. So I think as long as the person who thinks I can be the poet laureate, they're going into it thinking, I can really serve this community, I really have something to say that I think will push us forward, then I think go for it. But if your mindset is, I want to make videos with the Sabres and I want to stand out amongst my community of poets don't do it, hmm. <laughs> you're not ready, it's not time. Right, right, yeah. that's,
0: a, that's a great way uh, to, to look at it. Jillian Hainsworth, our guest, and uh, as you may have heard at the at the top, uh, the former uh, poet laureate for the city of Buffalo, her term uh, has expired and uh, we're uh, looking forward to uh, perhaps who will be the, the next uh, poet laureate. What about uh, during your time as this? Mm-hmm. Have poets come out of the woodwork and found you? I yeah. bet they have.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, Sometimes they're just like, I I love what you do. Like, you're so good. Um, let's collaborate. But sometimes they're like, I, I need you to prove it. Prove yourself to me. <laughs> I've had a lot of poets who have come to me like, listen, I had no idea who you were. So I'm glad that it was you ultimately. But I was very hesitant <laughs> when I first heard your name because I didn't know you. And I get it. Um, I don't feel like... Again, it's my role to prove myself to people right? because that's pride, you know, and again, it's not about me. So I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm saying what's on my heart and what I really do believe my community needs to hear. But I have had quite a few poets just be like when we first heard you were going to be the Poet Laureate, we were like, who is this girl? Like, who are you? And we were hesitant. We were doubtful. But over time, You've, you've shown us who you are
0: what uh, like you said it's not about proving yourself it's not about you it doesn't mm-hmm. it can't be about the individual at the same time what do you think won over the the doubters I guess uh, if I'll put um, them in that category
3: honestly I think it's just because I write good have good work okay. like the poet the poems are good um, and I think it's also just the way that they see I'm able to connect with the people that I'm performing for um, and that I really do believe the things that I write about. Like if I have a poem or a line in a poem about something like political, like you can believe that that is a (laughs) thousand percent how I actually feel. Um, The concepts in the poem about, you know, the poems that I, that I have had that the community really kind of gravitated to about like love and, and power. That's truly, truly what I believe. So I think the fact that I stand on what it is I say, they're like, okay, she's honest, authentic, and a good writer, so we'll we'll, we'll rock with her. <laughs>
0: what about the idea of, of uh, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but you know, you're standing, you're mm-hmm. standing up for something, and we know how it is when people stand up sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are those who wanna knock you down. Have you received that kind of uh, backlash at times?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it comes from a lot of different directions. Um, sometimes it's people who are just like, we like what you're doing, but like chill out a little bit, like, (laughs) it was just too much. Um, sometimes, you know, I've, I've said things on the radio and had, um, local leaders, community leaders or, or, um, elected officials call me like, you're doing way too much because I'm opposing them too hard. Um,
0: but when you, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say you're opposing them. Are you opposing them, or are you, as you say before, said before, speaking the truth as you understand it, mm-hmm. and other people are interpreting it as criticism? Is that maybe an, an I, adequate I think description? That,
3: that's what it is. Um, and you know, I, I never want. I never wake up saying I'm going to make so and so mad today. <laughs> 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 that's not how I how I think. But if you ask me a question, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and. I'm going to center the needs of the community around it, regardless, regardless of who you are, or if we, you know, give each other a hug when we see each other in Wegmans, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I, yeah, I've I've, I've unknowingly picked a few fights over the last (laughs) couple of years, Um, but that's okay. That's okay. I don't mind.
0: Do you know sometimes though, when you write a piece and you're performing it in public that- Yeah, this might might ruffle a few feathers.
3: Yes, absolutely. Sometimes when I write it, I'm like, ugh, I'm dreading performing this because I already know people are going to be mad. Um, I have poems where you know, I've performed them at protests and I've seen police officers kind of turn red or, mm. you know, I've performed pieces and really connected to the community and I'll see politicians, you know, at restaurants and they, they won't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: um,
3: and I have some pieces that I've read to my mom and she was like, please don't perform that. Like, just don't, you know, Um Because we do have to remember that we're challenging power structures. And that's a really dangerous, (laughs) dangerous position to take. So I have some pieces that my mom was like, don't ever, don't ever perform that. So I'm going to respect her, her fears um, and not perform them. But and I know if I did, a lot of people would be upset. Hmm. I wouldn't <laughs> right <laughs> right right yeah not me
0: <laughs> well you know you, you've got me curious that my, my nature is to to, to to prod that a little bit more but I think I'll let you rest I'll, on that
3: I'll tell you some stuff offline <laughs> All right, very good very
0: good well we'll get a, a couple of minutes to do that right now as a matter of fact we're going to take a break on what's next and come back with more Jillian Hainsworth uh, Buffalo Poet Laureate her term has expired she is with us here on what's next and we'll be back with more this is what's next on WBFO
4: This is the Buffalo Toronto Public Media History Bite, bringing you a peek into significant historical events for the week of January 8th through January 14th. I'm your host and program director, Tom Barich. The aeronautical design company that brought you the X-1, the first supersonic aircraft, the Bell 30, widely regarded as the first commercial helicopter, and the very real rocket belt, i.e. jetpack, Bell Aircraft Corporation was founded on January 10th, 1935. January 10, 1863 is the date that the Buffalo Historical Society was founded. That incidentally is the society that shifted into the Buffalo History Museum, where most of these facts are coming from. If you enjoyed a coffee and or pastry from Tim Hortons this morning, you can of course thank Tim Horton and wish him a happy birthday. He was born on January 11, 1930 in Cochrane, Ontario. And on June 14th, 1916, the University at Buffalo basketball team plays its very first official game. You've been listening to the Buffalo Toronto Public Media History Bite. Discover more stories about Western New York's past on the Buffalo History Museum's website. Learn more at buffalohistory.org. For Buffalo Toronto Public Media, I'm Tom Barrich.
1: love exploring the world around me, and I have behind-the-scenes VIP tickets to some of the most exciting places and people in Western New York, and you can come along with me from wherever you are. Let's go! A new series you can watch on WNED PBS, the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel, and on PBS Learning Media nationwide. So let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using Next at wbfo.org. Together we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station.
0: And welcome back to What's Next. With us today, Jillian Hainsworth, the first Buffalo Poet Laureate and now uh, a former Buffalo Poet Laureate. Uh, Jillian, I want to uh, obviously can't have you in here for 45 minutes and and not uh, hear some of your your poetry. So as a matter of fact, we've got a couple uh, of things that you've actually uh, performed in public before. Uh, This first one that we want to listen to is Paint My People Green. Paint
3: my peace and serenity green. Let it soak in the sun and blossom in the spring, build it with intention and then build a city around it. Make it beautiful as if designed by Olmstead himself. Let it absorb the rain, creating a scent as sweet as hope for everybody needs a place that smells as ripe as freedom. Birth by Mother Earth, connected to the ancestors in the midst of man-made shambles, painted all green. Let it be deeply rooted in power and belonging. Let it belong to us. Let it refresh the lungs and delight the eyes and the spirit and the mind, a mind of its own. Let it think for itself. Let its belief run clear through the limits we create. Let it manifest a newness reminding us of the changing of the seasons, the changing of the tides, the changing of the guards. Let it redefine what access means. Let me plant my peace like a seed and watch it sprout, growing and expanding into 850 acres of healing and of justice. Let it be as welcoming as a park swing to a child, custom designed to bring joy in the form of prickly blades of grass and dandelions floating through the skies delivering messages to heaven. Interwoven circles of excellence and purpose paint my people green and fill them with life fill them with the benefit of knowing that fresh air is their right with the satisfaction of realizing that trees were grown with them in mind masterworks constructed for masterpieces and sustained for over 200 years celebrate it with triumph and appreciation and then protect it from even yourself For good things can only remain good if it lives with intent, and this living land was intended for us. It's where we find life and where we learn that green justice is racial justice. It's economic justice. It's a chance to not only survive, but thrive, and everybody deserves the chance to thrive. Let us celebrate our green. From Martin Luther King Jr. to Delaware, a backyard fit for kings that was custom fitted for the queen city, with a crown bestowed onto us by a mind inspired by God himself. Who saw what once was and decided to paint it all green?
0: Thank you. So, uh, Jillian Hainsworth, uh, I think that was uh, recorded maybe in the late spring of uh, 2022, out at I think it's called Soldier's Circle. Uh, it was a, an event by uh, the Olmsted Parks uh, Conservancy. Uh, as you listen back to your to yourself, uh, what do you think?
3: Um, like that's a good poem. It sure was. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> that was one of my first opportunities to do like a commissioned piece. Um, the Frederick law Olmsted conservancy contacted me and said that they were having a two year anniversary, 200th year anniversary. And they asked me to write a poem. And I was so nervous because I wasn't sure if I could like take all of this reverence that they had and that I was learning, you know, I didn't really know too much about Frederick law Olmsted before writing this piece. Um, like, how do I take all of this and put it into a poem where they feel like this covers everything in our mind and I feel like <laughs> I delivered a product for them? Um, and they loved it and I loved it, um, but that was one of my first opportunities where someone came to me and said, you know, we're going to give you some ideas and can you write a poem for us? So, yeah.
0: So you 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 they gave you some ideas mm-hmm. about this, yet... You uh, was they did they have final refusal or 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 whatever you came up with was going to be good enough that day.
3: Yeah, whatever I came up with was <laughs> going to be what it was. I did send it to them in advance a okay. few days before because I always like to tell people when I do a commission piece, like you know, this is your piece. I'm writing it, but it's for you, so you can give me feedback and I can make any adjustments. But they loved it, and um, I went and performed it that day for the first time. And since then, I've only said it a couple of times, but but I love that piece so much.
0: It really is. A, it's a wonderful piece. And, and again, I've heard it uh, quite a few times because I've mm-hmm. had the recording for all this time. But um, even just listening to it now, little elements unfold in front of me. And I think one of the most the striking part is I think you sum up everybody around here in terms of their reverence for the parks. Mm-hmm. But you include in there the idea that access is not universal
3: right it's not um i mean even when you think about the parks in buffalo right if you were to say what park do we see mostly black residents you're gonna be like mlk and what park do we see like a lot of white people during the day Delaware Park. Right. Like it's it's our city is so divided that even when you think about the park system, you can kinda of tell what park people are gonna gravitate to. Um, I remember being younger and going to Delaware Park because that's where like the basketball courts were and you had more of a chance to be like questioned by a random person at Delaware Park than you did at Martin Luther King Park. But you had more like there was a higher chance of you being watched by the police at martin luther king park than delaware park so like when we think about how how our parks work it's not a symbol of democracy but that's what a park is supposed to be It's supposed to be open to everybody and free to everybody like it's supposed to be something that we all have equal access to and that's not necessarily how things work here um but that doesn't mean that we can't reimagine it to be able to work that way so that's what that piece was and
0: so when you're putting this piece together and you're writing it then um it, like you said you didn't know a lot of the history of about the parks and Olmsted mm-hmm. and such and yet you ha- you had already your you were able to put your own experiences and mix those two together like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't even know growing up that, like, Martin Luther King Park, Delaware Park were Frederick Law Olmsted parks. I didn't know. Sure. They were just parks to me. But when I started to hear about them, and the first thing I did was learn about Frederick Law Olmsted. Like, how did you come to the point where you are designing, you know, our, at the time, the urban landscape of our city? Um and i learned about how much he did for um abolition and just how how much of an activist he was and and what he intended to do when he was creating these park systems um and my first thought was like that's really cool but that is not <laughs> that is not what's happening right now <laughs> so i decided to really lean into that idea what he intended to do um and and how we can still reimagine it to to function that way.
0: So this is a, so that's relatively early in your term as mm-hmm. poet laureate. Uh, maybe just ta- talk a little bit about how things were to start off as in that role, because we know, and we're going to get into the the history here. Once uh, May came around, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a lot happened, and and you found your your voice was very much a, a part of things to come but what about in those early days what was it was just kind of a novelty Did, how were people embracing what you were doing
3: so the community immediately they were like you're the poet laureate like i would get you know emails like can you come talk to our women's group at our church and like can you come and talk to these students at this school like the community was they were already on board before i was the poet laureate like before i was that I was still Jillian Hainsworth, who right. had something to say, and they were already willing to listen. So once I became the Poet Laureate, they were like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, we have a Poet Laureate. Some of my friends couldn't even say it. They would call me, like, the Poet Literate or the Poet Lorette. Um,
2: <laughs> and, like, we're still working on it with some people. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, but everybody was
3: excited, and... um but i wasn't like writing as many new pieces also it was 2021 so we were just a year out from covid so right. we were still doing a lot of virtual events um a lot of the city events that we were accustomed to they either weren't happening or they weren't as big so the city they weren't calling me to come and do like the mlk ceremony and things like that because we weren't we weren't really having anything um so I kind of got a little bit of a slow start. Um, I was already working at Open Buffalo, so I, I left my job in 2020 after um, George Floyd's murder mm. and started working at Open Buffalo. So I was at Open Buffalo, and it was a lot easier to kind of balance everything. Right. <laughs> I was like <laughs> right. the poet laureate on the weekends and just the director of leadership development during the week. Um so yeah, I that that definitely it was a slow start when it came to the actual work, but the community they were like, "You're our poet laureate," and that's it. And they hit the ground running when it came to helping build the platform and make it mean something.
0: I'll probably ask you a lot of questions about process. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, artistic process is something that just I, it fascinates me. But what about so I I forgot about like you know, you're coming in. COVID is lingering. It's still kind of mm-hmm. flaring up and shutting things down at times. So I, it does paint a whole different picture than what we saw in the summer of uh, of 2022. Yeah. Um, what about for you and from a creative dynamic? Was Is it, I wouldn't say easier, but how does it differ or how was it different during those early months of, of being the Poet Laureate and it's COVID and things are slow? And then later on when all of a sudden there was... You know, lots of activity and lots of commentary and lots of things happening. Well, how can you describe it uh, for yourself, how how it worked for you?
3: Um, so when I first became the Poet Laureate, besides, you know, COVID, and I started getting into a little bit more of, like, political commentary around the time of George Floyd's murder. So I I did some of that from okay. time to time, but it wasn't as frequent. Um it was like if somebody like you were to email me, like I want to talk to you. It was like <laughs> I'm calling my mom. Like guess what? You know, um, <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't wasn't really happening that much. Right. Um, so I was able to really focus on like I started Buffalo Books at the time, and you know things like that. I was able to put a little bit more of my effort into community ventures, volunteering. Um, you know having a, a nine to five at a nonprofit, which, you know, if you work at a nonprofit, it's kind of no such thing as a nine to five. Right. And luckily, you know, the, the role I was in and the organization I was at, they really emphasized rest and, you know, taking care of yourself. Um, but I had a lot more time on my hands and every opportunity was, it's had its own life in, in, Eventually, you know, after especially after May 14th, it's kind of like I'm, I'm working on multiple things at a time all the time, right? So I'm a lot busier now. But back then, it was like, Oh, look, I get to do this thing, and I'm like texting my parents and we're all celebrating. <laughs> and now it's just like everything's just like all the time, all the just time back to back. Yeah,
0: we are talking with uh, Jillian Hainsworth today on what's next, Jillian Hainsworth, Buffalo's first poet laureate. You brought up uh 514 and i do appreciate you reflecting back uh just to take us through a, a couple things i you and i uh, I, I talked to a, a few different people on the night of the 15th that sunday night um and i do appreciate all the candor that you gave me that night but you you gave um you told me kind of how it went down for you on may 14th if i'm not mistaken what a, a friend's bridal shower is that how uh, the baby one? shower baby yeah. shower. Why don't you take us through how you remembered? I have it on tape. I mm-hmm. know the, the the story, but I want to hear it from your recollection.
3: Yeah i I'll never ever forget mm-hmm. like that whole day. Now, um, but yeah, I was at my best friend's baby shower, and we were just you know celebrating the birth of her first child. Um, and I started getting text messages saying like something's going on on Jefferson. Like, do you know what's going on? When we started to see actual reports, we weren't seeing local reports. Like We were seeing national news. Right. And before I saw a headline or read an article, I saw a photo. And I was like, I already know. I know what this is. And I kept looking at my phone, and my best friend eventually, you know, we were starting to clean up, and she's like, you should go. So I still had on my address, and I drove to Tops. And I parked in the parking lot right in front of um, Dollar General. Went into Dollar General and I bought some leggings. And I had a t-shirt in my gym bag. And I just kind of threw my clothes on in the car. And I just got out and, I don't know, for a moment, it was kind of like surreal, I guess. You know, people were starting to gather and... You know, the, all of T.O.P.S. was already taped off with the caution tape. Marshals were in the streets. Um, and, yeah, it was just like, okay, something bad happened. But then people started to come to try to f- find their loved ones' cars in the parking lot and try to figure out where the Family Reunification Center was. And that's when it was like, okay, like this— This is something that we haven't gone through before. Um, I started doing interviews that day. Um, The most, like, the heaviest, I guess, the heaviest memory that I still have is I was about to leave. And I left. Eventually, I came back. But I just drove by Tops. I didn't actually um, go, like, get out of the car. But I was about to leave and I was like emotionally spent. And this guy, I turned around and I made eye contact with this guy. And you know when you make eye contact with somebody and you're just like, oh, no. Hmm. Because you already know they're going to say something and you just don't want to talk. But he was just like, my aunt aunt was in there. And I said, I'm sorry. I asked if she was okay. And he was just like, she's gone. She's gone. He was the first person who um, had lost someone to my knowledge. Like, he was the first person who I actually came in contact with who lost someone. Um, and I just asked him, does he want to hug? And he said no. But, like, while he was saying no, he just started to, like, put all his body weight on me. And I just stood there and I just hugged this man. And if he walked past me today, I probably wouldn't be able to point him out. Um, but we just stood on <laughs> Jefferson hugging in just strangers and that really just kind of sums up how those next few weeks went it was just like just trying to help a complete stranger get through something that none of us ever thought we'd have to get through
0: that interaction i appreciate you revisiting it did you see other um although that type of emotion are there that day as well that you know the community trying to figure out what was going on and how to move forward
3: I mean, there was panic that day. Um, I remember starting to see things on Facebook, like there's a gunman walking down this street and people would just start running, taking off. Um, some guy who I don't know, he pulled up next to me and he was like, you know, be safe out here and you know, he told me he was going to that street to find that gunman. Like, we're not about to we're not gonna let you hunt us. Like, we're going to come to you. We will not let you hunt us. And that was heartbreaking because all of these, you know, these threats, they, they were fake, you know. But we didn't know at the time. And you would literally just see people start running. And it's like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, somebody's coming this way with a gun. And so there was, like, panic. There was panic. Um, I had a reporter ask me. He was actually, he was from france and Mm. it was the morning after and i'm like geez like what (laughs) you know at this point i i'll get to that in a second but he asked me like are you guys gonna form a militia and i'm like what do you see happening around you right now look around and tell me what you see he's like i don't know people are crying hugging i'm like that's report on what you actually see happening like that's what's happening right now um But the morning of May 15th, I went to a rally at Johnny B. Wiley, and then I came down. I had to go, like, we had to go around because at that time, like, a few blocks of Jefferson were, were blocked off. So I came back around, got out of my car. I parked at Open Buffalo because that's where I was working at the time. And I just saw the amount of cameras. And I had no idea. Like, when it happened, I knew it was It was big, but it was big for us. You know, I didn't realize tomorrow there are going to be 150 reporters here. Like, I didn't know. So that day really caught me off guard because I was just going to be among the community, um, try to make some sense of it, I guess. I don't know. Everybody just kind of went there. So I just went too, and I wasn't expecting, though, to like have to like use my voice like that wasn't that wasn't what I was anticipating
0: speaking of using your voice so uh, as mentioned uh setting this segment up um you and I did talk on on the night of uh, May 15th Mm -hmm. and as a matter of fact there were a lot of poignant things that we don't play the whole interview here but I do have a a sound bite that I'd like you to listen to right now um just in essence describing uh the east side uh, of Buffalo
3: Like on the East side, we are creating culture and that culture is being adapted into other communities across the city, but it starts, it starts on the East side. That's where the blueprint is. While we do have to deal with a lot of things that other people in Buffalo don't have to deal with, you know, you think about crime rates highest in Buffalo poverty rates highest in Buffalo. And of course we know crime is a symptom of poverty, COVID rates, during during the height of the pandemic highest in buffalo lead in the water highest in on the east side of buffalo these people are exposed to so much more than a lot of people in other neighborhoods could even understand and even still there's so much beauty that comes out of the culture of our community
0: so, jillian hainsworth talking with wbfo on um, may 15th 2022 you hear that, uh, that comment. I have uh, referenced it in my mind um, hundreds of times, actually, mm-hmm. since then. I thought it was a, a, a very powerful comment. Well, what about from you uh, as you can reflect back on it right now?
3: Thinking, thinking back, it makes me smile because when I think about the days, the weeks after May 14th, I still fear, feel anger and fear. So to know that in that moment, the beauty of my community is what stood out in my mind and what we were able to discuss. That makes me feel like really comforted. Um, And of course I still feel that way. I describe the East side as like the most colorful place in the city. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I think time and time again, because unfortunately May 14th was like the first of like a series of just unfortunate things and painful things to happen in our community, and the east side continues to feel the brunt of it. Um, but you continue to see the beauty of the people, and our willingness to help each other survive, along with our refusal to believe that our role here is just to survive. Um, like there's a there's a beautiful power in that, and I think that it's unfortunate that we continue to be placed. In positions where we have to use that power, we have to exercise that muscle, um, I would like us to be able to have a break <laughs> from having to be reminded of how resilient we are, because resilience is is a sign of a bigger issue, I think. right? Um, but we are, and and it's beautiful. And I've tried to continue to remind myself of the beauty of where I come from, because the past couple of years, it's been mostly like pain, and it's been a pain that none of us have ever experienced, and we all kind of had to navigate through it together, and we did, and we still are, um, and I hope to continue to be a, a voice for our community and to speak to our community as we continue to heal, because it's a process that that will never actually like finish, will never graduate from healing school like which no. is always going to be <laughs> right. always going to be students now we're lifelong <laughs> healing learners now um, but I I will always see the beauty in the east side of buffalo and the people who have have survived everything that that is very specific to people who live on the east side
0: you mentioned the power that comes out of that resiliency and the power that I think was on most certainly on display after May 14th, and we know about some of the other incidents, including, of course, uh, the Christmas blizzard last year as well. Mm-hmm. From you now, if you can, and this is where it gets tougher, right? There was the days before you're the poet laureate and the days after you're the poet laureate, um, and all of that was going on, and you're reflecting on it. But can, did you, are there any, I'll use the term synergies, it's a happy word, mm-hmm. where that power is that power of resiliency is leading to affect some some significant change for the East Side community?
3: I, I believe so. Um, but I think that one thing that we don't always discuss is the power of you having a memory, the power of your memory. Um, I often talk about May 14th, and when I talk about May 14th, I talk about the food apartheid. That's happening on the east side and has been happening. I talk about the lack of economic growth um, in my lifetime. I'm 31 now. The The fact that I've never seen my people actually build economic sustainability for ourselves. Um, the fact that now when I go to my old community, houses are either abandoned or, or torn down with vacant lots. Um, like I think about... All of that, and I talk about all of that when I talk about May 14th, because we have to remember what's happening accurately. When we think about May 14th, of course, we have to honor the lives that were stolen. We have to be honest about the things that led up to May 14th, though. That is where the power lies, the power of your memory, because when you can accurately remember things that are happening to your people, that is where you find the will to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because when I think back on May 14th and I think about the fact that every single person that was in that grocery store didn't have another grocery store they can go to, that is where that that will to say, no, we need to be able to build something for ourselves comes from. Um so while I'm trying to encourage and inspire and find that power and that that synergy, right? Sure. For us to be able to to heal and to rebuild and to survive and to make a better life for ourselves here in Buffalo I'm also challenging people to be honest and to like really remember it like I know it's hard but don't forget that the day you found out what was happening the way something dropped in the pit of your stomach but there was also something deep down that said hmm I guess this would be a place that you would think something like that would happen don't remember don't forget that Like, do not forget that don't forget that thing in you that said this absolutely sucks but it is the only grocery store in a black community it is the highest populated black community outside of New York City like don't forget those things because that is where we're going to find that synergy and our collective memories and our willingness to remember things honestly. That's where we're going to get it.
0: I can see you getting a little more emotional than I, I, I think yeah. I've ever really seen you get, and, uh, <laughs> so I apologize No, for that. it's okay. But uh, as you were talking about that, and it's clear that you have deep thoughts about this and it's clear that you do not forget May 14th, mm-hmm. um, how do you process that?
3: I think through writing, but also, um, like my ways of processing everything that has happened, they evolve and I let them evolve. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that the way I, I was able to feel better yesterday is going to work today. Mm -hmm. Um, so sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's not writing. Sometimes it's not doing the interview. (laughs) Um, (laughs) sometimes it's, taking a break i went on a cruise last month and i was so excited because i didn't buy the internet package (laughs) so i literally was not able to use my phone for like six days and you survived and i survived and it was so it was so refreshing to not wake up to like 100 facebook notifications and 50 twitter or x whatever notifications and a million emails like sometimes you just gotta unplug so for me I just try to separate myself from everything because what's happening in our community has become so closely tied to what I care about, what I write about, what I speak about. So sometimes I just have to stop writing and stop speaking and just kind of separate from it.
0: We're going to let you take another couple of minutes here to uh, do just that. Uh, We're talking with Jillian Hainsworth, the first Buffalo Poet Laureate, with us on What's Next. This is What's Next on WBFO.
1: Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course birds. Come along with us, won't you? Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rheinstein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to WNED.org frontslash birding. It's Reading Rainbow's 40th anniversary, and we're celebrating by releasing 40 full episodes of the classic PBS children's series. Look for new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday through February on the Reading Rainbow YouTube channel. They'll be available for a limited time, so subscribe so you don't miss any. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station
0: and welcome back to what's next our final few moments here with uh buffalo's first poet laureate jillian hainsworth uh, jillian um it, it's funny when we were talking setting this up how uh, you laughed how well you you must be growing in stature because <laughs> you don't have to come here early in the morning anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> um as a matter of fact i'm going to uh, uh our final sound bite here is from uh, our early morning interview <laughs> that we had once upon a time this is i believe on the date Uh, maybe the ceremonial reopening Mm -hmm. of the tops. And you were kind enough to come in and talk to us bright and early that morning. It was really early in the morning on Live on the Air Morning Edition here on WBFO. Uh, But you also uh, recited your poem, Water. Let's hear that right now.
3: Let the hopeful healing waters flow. Ushering a rebirth of our sense of self, let the flowing waters remind us of time. Current yet fleeting, like life itself. Large yet within reach just as the ancestors let the hopeful healing waters flow cleansing all pain and fear all hurt and regret let the water heal our people reminding us that even our small marks on this huge world are necessary let the hopeful healing waters flow Let the water tell the stories of those that came before us, those who fought and believed for us, those with the strength and power of a high tide, those with the meekness of a still pond. Let the direction of the water remind us that there is a greater destination, and though we will never see that destination in our lifetimes, let the beauty of the unknown offer comfort and hope, for within water there will always be life.
0: That is water from uh, Jillian Hainsworth and performed by Jillian Hainsworth on WBFO. I think it might have been uh, July 16th, actually, of uh, of uh, uh, July 14th, I should mm-hmm. say, of 2022. Uh, Jillian, not um, necessarily, but that that is on the wall. Yes. With the memorial inside the tops.
3: Yeah, yeah. I went in on July 15th of 2022 and saw it i've not been back in there since yeah you told me not.
0: that that day about your, the conflict that you yeah. had about whether or not you wanted to go in there anymore.
3: yeah yeah but I, I did go in and see it and i do have people all the time i was at um i think i was at a restaurant yeah i was at mcdonald's was not a restaurant <laughs> i don't know if you consider that a restaurant <laughs> but some some woman walked up to me and she was like what's your name i saw you on the news and i told her and she was like oh my god like you're poem is in tops and she said every time she goes in there she just takes a second at that wall to just remember what happened and um she said that she doesn't even want to have to go to that tops but it's the only one in her neighborhood and having that poem there helps her so i'm like okay even if i don't go in there like to know that there is still a way that these words are helping people that makes me feel good
0: Um, you should feel good. And uh, I know there have been, you know, like you said, you're never going to forget May 14th. You're not going to forget uh, the victims of that day. Uh, But there have been, there's been a lot of activity for you since then. (laughs) I mean, and, you know, sometimes, what do they say, you know, uh, events, you know, find the uh, the person, the person Mm -hmm. doesn't find the events. And perhaps that's what's been going on here. But you've done a lot of work. And if I'm not mistaken, nominated for an Emmy? Did you win an Emmy?
3: Yeah, no, I was nominated. Uh-huh. Um but that's huge. I never right. thought I would be nominated for anything like that. So that's something I'll always be able to keep in my social media bio. Yes. yes. <laughs> um yeah. And that was work with
0: the Buffalo Bills. Is that how it Yes. That
3: went? That's for the the Choose Love video we made which um played on TV and at the home opener. Um the season right after May 14th, right. so September of 2022.
0: I think you did some work with the the Buffalo Sabres as well.
3: Yep, I've gotten to work with the Sabres and the Bandits, um, and I've gotten to develop good relationships with the people who work for the Bills, the Sabres, and the Bandits. So I'm always able to say, like, hey, like, you know, it's supposed to be Black History Month. My friend opened a bakery. Like, I'm going to feature that. Um, but they also are, like, really helpful for me um, even when I do things like pop up bookstores, things like that, I can call them and say I need X, Y, and Z, and and they'll show up and they'll volunteer and help actually set up. So the people who I've gotten to work with, they've become really really solid friends.
0: It's uh they're great successes, and I'm I'm so thrilled for you on that. And I Thank and uh, and they also the I I also appreciate the the respect that you show of uh, of the people who of course died on May 14th as well. Uh, so you're not poet laureate anymore. You're nope. the, but you'll always be the first poet laureate. So what's <laughs> what is next for Jillian Hainsworth?
3: You know, over the last few weeks, I've really been thinking a lot about like what is January first gonna feel like. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I think what I've learned is that the things that happened while I was the poet laureate didn't necessarily happen because I was the poet laureate. Um, a lot of the work to build trust in the community happened before. I became the poet laureate a lot of the doors that opened i started knocking on those doors years ago and um everything just kind of happened at the same time but i'm learning that i'm you know i'm i'm just me still you know i had a performance yesterday my first day not as the poet laureate and i'm here today so i'm just going to keep using my voice i hope to either get in a little bit into radio or a podcast you know i really feel like i have a strong connection with my community so to be able to reach my community in other ways um a little bit more traveling but i'm still going to be performing you can still book me <laughs> <laughs> and i'll still be around Right. and yeah. so
0: and so you will uh come back and see us again
3: of course anytime
0: thank you so very much <laughs> jillian hainsworth the first buffalo poet laureate with us on what's next jillian as always thank you so much
3: thanks for having me
0: this has been What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Only and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.